Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 12th, 2017. I was wondering if this coming week we'll have the same kind of tabloid type, they call it trash tabloids, the type that had all the, the usual sex, 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 sex stories and so on, which has spread into all the media today, as you've noticed, this last while especially, as this very well-coordinated movement goes on across the world, actually, into not just Hollywood. And it's not Hollywood, really, that they're focusing on a small group, really. And because I'm sure you could go through the whole darn place and still you could never clean it up, put it that way. And then you have the politicians in Britain under scrutiny as well, because there have been some scandals here too, along the same kind of way, of an MP, for instance, who committed suicide after inquiries into his, I don't know what he did to, to members of his staff or whatever. But anyway, it's, it's, to me it seems coordinated. Because why wait till now to point out what's been obvious for long before I was born? Everybody's known what Hollywood is like. Everybody who goes to Hollywood knows what it's like trying to get into the movies. And so why now? What's going on? What is it? You'll find, for instance, that in the UK, with the Conservative government there, which is a mess to start with, the political system and the country, in fact, of Britain is finished, as far as I'm concerned, is completely finished. The agenda has been <laughs> to demolish it since I was pretty well small. A good job has been done along that lines to demolish the whole country and, and the culture, and even eradicate them, in fact. It's all underway. But with the movement to pull out of Europe, what they call Brexit, British exit out of European Union, there's a massive movement underfoot there to try and keep them in, of course. And I, I don't see them pulling out. I really don't, because politics doesn't work the way that the general public imagines that it happens to work. It's all done by bribery. And holdouts to certain things are simply waiting for a bigger payoff before they'll change their vote or whatever it happens to be, and as far as the politicians go. They're all, that's the way it is. Same in the U.S. When you see so many voting against something, so many holding out, they're waiting to get a better proposal for either cash rewards or some kind of reward or even a boost to their career, something like that. That's how it really works. The, the system is a cesspool, complete cesspool. Getting back to Britain, they also have put the boot in again, as I say, with the sexual scandals with some MPs, their politicians. Then they have a politician who's appointed to dish cash out across the world, supposedly for good causes and so on. Her name is Patel. She, has been found out, has been going across in her own time and on holidays too to see different officials in Israel, including military officials and so on. And the only reason you see them and have in private meetings is generally for getting big grants given. Now, these grants are from the British taxpayers, who don't even know what's happening to their money, because it's not their place to know. In democracies, you don't have any rights at all. Really, you really don't. I've always said, why doesn't governments, all governments, even your local governments, give you a complete rundown? It's no big deal to do so. Not these days, with internet and so on, available to anybody in the area to look up and see whatever, where all the money is going. And where all the paychecks are going, what kind, of, what kind of money they're dishing out to these characters and so on. Why not? Why not? If they're the servants, why don't they give the so-called masters, let's ha-ha-ha, a rundown where their money's going. 
by getting back to the story on Patel. She's a lifelong politician. She came into Britain that accepted stacks of refugees back in, must have been the, the early 70s maybe, from Uganda when the kind of ruling class at the time in Uganda had been bureaucrats really from, and middle class and businessmen from India who had run it for a long time. And they were kicked out by Idi Amin. And they came into Britain. Britain put massive charity drives and plus matched it with all the, the tax money and so on to bring lots of them in. Well, she was, her family was one of them. And they put her through education in Britain. And she's even put books out about how the British working class this is a person who lives off the taxpayer, but the British working class is, is lazy. And they should really be made to work the same way as people in China and other countries and so on. But there she is, going across to... And it's come out since the first disclosures that she'd met, even with Netanyahu, on her own time, on holiday. But she went there deliberately to meet him. <laughs> and of course they won't tell us what was discussed. But it's come out since then, and from her first apology for making a little mistake, that she's had quite a few meetings with other ones too that she hadn't disclosed. Now it's all come out too. Her husband, interestingly enough, he gets paid a wage too from the taxpayer of Britain because he, he takes care of some of her work for her, whoever that happens to be. He also has two other main jobs. And one of them is the sort of head of a, a big massive marketing corporation, but he also works for British NASDAQ. What we're looking at, really, and I've said this for years, many of these lifelong politicians, in fact, maybe most of them, in fact, let's be honest here, see the systems that they work inside, the governments and so on, and the bureaucracies as their own personal business. That's how they see it, like, like it's another business and they're in charge of it. That's how I, that's how I see it, actually. That's, that's how they really do it. And now if her husband was um, a fixer, you might say, he, he's a guy who gets big contracts across the world to get things done. Well, and, he's, and here's his wife who dishes out cash to different countries. Hmm? Yeah? Ding. <laughs> it's pretty disgusting. But that, that's the system. And that's just Britain. And every country's much the same too. It, it really is. Really, really is. As I've said so many times before, we're brought up to be incredibly naive. We're trained to be naive. Hollywood, too, the most corrupt system there is, pretty foul, turns out the movies to keep us naive. And they give you these little Disney-type movies on, on how genuine in, in, the, in the fictional movies these characters are. That They have their best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. That's not coincidental. It really isn't. When I was pretty small, I used to wonder... Why they occasionally brought politicians round, even when you're six or seven, and they come around the schools and and here they are, telling you all the wonderful things they're going to do for the country, and you just looked at the at the suits and so on that they had, and I lived in a country at the time in a particular area that the only people who had suits were were undertakers and maybe the local doctor. And even the doctors weren't so well-pressed suits as these guys had because the doctors actually made house calls in those days. They were real doctors. They were really liked by the community because they took their job seriously. And they weren't getting paid ransoms to, to help the people. But anyway, getting back to what I'm talking about is corruption. 
corruption. And then you have all these distractions, literally distractions, of the sexual things going on. That's guaranteed to get everybody's attention because we're animals, we're, we're human animals. And all the psychologists and all the neuroscientists and all behaviorists and so on understand this perfectly well. They always have, long before they had names for their sciences. And you, you put in the sex there, and everybody's glued to it. It's an instinct. Uh, it's, you have the procreative imperatives and things like that. You, you're, you're hardwired. And so they dish it out and dish it out, and there you are. Totally consumed for is that one or two weeks now has been going on. Even though Weinstein himself had hired the Israeli company, it's at the very least, put it this way, a, a private detective-type company, Supposedly ex-Mossad, there's no exes of anything, they're in and out the, of, of the, the system, just like the CIA and MI6, the same thing. But anyway, we'd hired him a year ago to basically get all the scoops and the data on these women that they knew were coming for, going to come forward with uh, all this stuff on Weinstein. And threaten them off or whatever else it takes. You know, you really, you got to understand, in the real world... Again, getting away from Disney and all that, the real world is pretty nasty. Pretty nasty. And when people with power and masses of money are going to be brought down by something or another that they've done, they, they can, they'll do it and they'll pay whatever it takes. And believe me, there's lots of folk who'll take the money to do the dirty work from, from the mild harassment to threatening to even further, as you well know. That's the real world. That is the real, real world. Same in politics. As far as I can remember, going through my life in, in Britain and other countries, and Canada too, I can remember when elections are coming up and you'd, you'd have either Labour or, or Conservative offices getting broken into to get all the scoop, the low-down scoop of their battle strategies for their, their elections and so on. That hasn't changed, as well know, with the last election either in the States. They're really foul and nasty. But that's the real world, because, because the real crooks, you see, go into all these professions, these jobs, and they're surrounded by crooks that are, do the dirty work. That's the truth of it. Psychopaths go to where they're going to get power and prestige and lots of cash. And they don't only work hard. And they go into politics. And, and you also get them in upper echelons of the bureaucracies as well. Other ones will go into the military. There's lots of generals out there that never never saw a bullet fired in anger towards them, getting in their direction pretty well. They're really political hacks. And they're also, also lobbyists. They're all lobbyists for the military-industrial complex. So let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending that we're all shocked and we're all incredibly naive all the things that are coming out. If you are, there's no hope for you. There really isn't. If you really believe that somehow everything was on the up and up, there really is no hope for you at all. Honestly. Honestly. The only way that society can function is that you're trained to, to be naive. Because if you start, and unfortunately it's happening to the trickle-down theory of corruption, and not just economics, it's corruption as well. When you see them getting away with it, uh, it, it but there's your example for people way, way down to start emulating that kind of behavior. Of course it is. But I've been looking around trying to find out what the real reason is they're starting on with Weinstein right now. And uh, I know that someone was putting a book out 
that brought the Mossad in, and the woman who, who was the so-called ex-Mossad agent who worked for this company managed to weasel out of her, this, this woman who wrote the thing, a draft copy of her unpublished book about all this. Very proficient, eh? But anyway, getting into some of the stories just to touch on. But really, I get fed up with this fake, you know, shock. Everybody's shocked. I don't watch TV. I don't have any TV uh, reception here. I don't have cable. And yet I know for a fact there are people who go to church every week. And they're all ages, right up to the end of their 60s. Who are stuck watching all this different um, Game of Thrones number, whatever episodes are on today, and even trying to order in advance some of them? All the coming series they want it on DVD before they're even out yet. Well, society can't be shocked when when you got all this going on. The internet itself is full of it too. That's as I've said so many times. Back in the nineties. That's all you heard from the media when they mentioned the internet. Was that there's lots of pornography on it. That's about all you knew. And the whole idea was to get everybody into it, which was awfully effectively well done. Mason, isn't it? Sex, sex, sex. Hardwired, as I say. Everyone's shocked. Everyone's shocked when people who go into Hollywood... Have this happened to them? I don't. I really don't think there's a single person who goes into Hollywood who 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 doesn't know. I really, I really, I can't see it. I really can't see it. But anyway, that's not the the point. Is I'm not saying it's okay, and I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying why now? Why this massive, massive blitz of of pretended shock and feigned shock about it all? Is there something we're missing that's happening in the world that we're not being told about? Hmm? Because that's how I've had it for weeks now. From all the mainstream papers. And then they have all their copycat stories of similar things, but not quite the same with other people. It's just astonishing, isn't it? Well, getting back to what was prattling on about at the beginning, and you have this British politician who's... In charge of dishing out, and I don't know why, but British taxpayers' money across the planet from an Israeli paper. It says the British aid minister resigns over undisclosed meetings in Israel. That's one of the first articles that came out before it was found out she'd had many meetings with other ones on the quiet too. She's an employment minister, uh, pretty paddle. She's British International Development Secretary. That's her other title, pretty paddle resigned Wednesday night following a political storm over secret meetings she held with Israeli officials, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while on vacation in Israel in August. Now that was just the one, as I said, two or three other meetings have come out since then, uh, and on different times she's gone over there. Another one she met too in Britain on the quiet as well. It's quite amazing. The Israeli papers naturally kind of downplay it a little bit. Because uh, Israel's involved, you see. And it's just, uh, they, they try to say it was, she, she apologized for causing a distraction. Well, it was more than a distraction from the work of government. It's more than a distraction. And as I say, they've, they've found evidence of more meetings she's had as well. And as I've said before, too, her husband, 
got paid this little bit of money, 25 grand a year, just to run her offices, which is a bit of a joke, since he's the head of one of the biggest corporations, maybe in Britain. So her husband is really a fixer and a big lobbyist too, obviously, for big corporations. And his wife, who's also been a lobbyist in the past and maybe still doing it while she's working for the government, is is she, are they both working together in their own little private retirement funds? Who knows? What I'm saying is that's, that wouldn't surprise me at all. It's, I think it's pretty normal. Of course it is. But anyway, as I say, uh, I'll put up some of these links. Now, she also, that book that she put out too, uh, which really got some kickback from the public who supported her financially through her paychecks and all the rest of it too. Her book was called Britannia Unchained. And uh, it says it's a, she suggested that British workers were lazier than those of other nations. But she also gave some pointers as how to make them work harder and by getting them to work alongside conditions of third world countries and things like that. Really nice, isn't it? Really nice, and this character is supposed to be working for the people of Britain. Living awfully well, I might add, too. And she's an awful liar, because if these, she's been fired now or laid off, or should resigned, as they like to put it in Britain, because they found out she had different meetings with these people in Israel. She's also been responsible for getting foreign aid, or Britain, British aid, to Palestine, and she's been lobbying against that. So it makes you wonder who she's been working for. And this is obviously what uh, some people in Parliament have been thinking as well. But yeah, she's been a, a lobbyist for tobacco companies and alcohol industries, and she has no problems with making lots of money, and that's part of it too, because I see her husband is uh, a kind of bigger player in, in uh, the NASDAQ, etc., and you can actually find, if you look into LinkedIn, you can find his resume there pretty well and what he's up to. But now these characters all work together. The whole idea uh, when you're working with these big corporations and, and, and lobbying groups and so on and, 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 and financial corporations is to, to find out what's coming up, to invest in and so on, to head them off of the past or jump in the action, things like that. And, and there, there he is married to the person who, who dishes out cash. A lot of these corporations get massive grants from under, under the guise of aid from many countries. They're like corporate welfare corporations. Actually, all top corporations are really corporate welfare. We pay for them all pretty well. But anyway, that's the thank you that the people get in Britain from someone who's lived awfully well off them. And who really is, she's got the chutzpah, she's, she's um, trying to just, you know, shush it off, basically. It's no big deal. And, and then out came the other stories about what she's been up to as well. The Sun put out one of the stories, Pretty Patel faces more cabinet acts after details of more secret meetings emerge. And it says that, Angry allies of Theresa May have accused International Development Secretary of going to the Middle East to gain support for a leadership bid. Downing Street urges Patel to come clean about any more secret meetings with foreign politicians. 
Well, good luck on that one. <laughs> I mean, she's, she denied the first lot, and then when it was found, she, she had been, had a few. Well, just a one-off thing in her, on her own holiday time. She went over and blah, blah, blah. And then more came out afterwards. Furious Theresa May demanded to know if Ms Patel had carried out any other meetings with foreign politicians behind her back after more damaging details emerged from her August holiday liaisons in Tel Aviv. Following a foreign trip to Uganda last night, the cabinet minister confessed to number 10 Downing Street that she had. So she's been on the, she's been doing this probably from the get-go. Devastated admission flies in the face of what Ms Patel told the PM during a stern dressing down number 10 on Monday. At that time, she insisted that the Tory leader, uh, that nothing like the Israeli affair would happen again. Ms May is now expected to take a decision to, f- to fire Ms Patel this morning. Right, she did, actually, for misleading her. But that, that I tell you, this isn't really that unusual. Really isn't. But what gets me to is she also went with a lobbyist for Israel, who's a, a British member of the House of Lords as well. And that's, that's the, the smoking gun, you might say, right there, too. Quite some, isn't it? <laughs> what can you say? What can you say? This one here is to do with uh, Lord Polak, his name is. And he's, you'll see him in an article that I'll put up there. You'll see him in his lovely airman red gown and the airman collar and all that kind of stuff. And it says, out of the shadows, a powerful fixer behind Patel's downfall. Well, he's not. He's not. He's only one. Andrew Pierce provides influential and shrewd political operator Lord Pollock. And he's the fixer who set up several of Patel's meetings with senior political figures in Israel, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. As the great and good of the Tory party gather next month for one of the most important lunches in their, their calendar, the familiar silver-haired figure of Lord Pollock will be masterminding proceedings. The 700-strong guest list from the Conservative, and this is what it is too, See, your governments are riddled with with special interest groups, and many of them are really foreign interest groups, let's be honest with it. The 700-strong list for the Conservative Friends of Israel CFI lunch at the Park Plaza Hotel in the shadow of the House of Parliament includes Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson and the Home Secretary Amber Rudd. In a testament to smooth-talking Pollock's networking skills, Theresa May was guest speaker last year, while the previous year... David Cameron gave the main address. It's a, it's a form of APAC for Britain, really, basically, in a way. Next month's speaker had not yet been announced, but it's been widely thought to be Pretty Patel. <laughs> Pretty, that's her name, they call Pretty Patel. Until this week when the controversy over the International Development Secretary's trip to Israel in August blew up. Another one since then, of course. Pollock 56 is a fixer who set up several Patel's meetings with senior political figures in Israel, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He sat in on 11 of the meetings on Patel's so-called family holiday. So, so I guess he was must he in a holiday too? Huh? He was also with her in the two further undisclosed meetings, New York and Parliament, with Israeli government officials who are thought to have finally sealed her fate. When the figure she was introduced to by Pollock is Yair Lapid, the leader of the opposition, who was so widely expected to become Israel's next Prime Minister, appeared was at the party, Pollock through in Parliament to celebrate being made a peer in the autumn of 2015. 
For almost 30 years, Pollock has, has nurtured the conservative friends of Israel and developed the organization of which he is honorary president into one of the most powerful and influential lobbying groups in the history of the Tory party. It's, tentacles, it's actually in labor too. It has tentacles in every corner. It's believed as many as 80% of Tory MPs are members, but he's done it by operating behind the scenes. He issues publicity and really gives interviews, and until now has always been regarded as a shrewd political operator. And it really goes on and on. But, I mean, this, this to me, is, is probably pretty standard stuff. Standard stuff. And you know something, what gets me, here, here's the thing, what gets me. You have all the people, all the citizens of Britain, who struggle through their lives, <laughs> listening to all these phony speeches by politicians, all prepared by speechwriters and PR organizers and so on. But regardless, they're supposed to have these people taking care of the country which and, and the citizens in their own country. And yet all this kind of stuff's going on all the time. It's, it's just routine. Every country is much the same these days. And why countries are dishing out taxpayers' money to start with, unless it's a crisis situation, if it's routine, 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 for goodness sake, you wonder why the countries are broke. And you really think that money generally gets to where it's supposed to go. Come on. I really can't. I don't know if there are still people who really, really live in a Pollyanna world where one day it's going to right itself and everything will be nice and sweet and lovely. I really wonder about that because it never was sweet and lovely, even in the past. And today, I think there's more government departments in every country now. So there's more crooks doing their own little things and treating government like a private business. And it can only get worse. There's no real morality today in any way, shape or form. And morality today is plastic. You're told what's supposed to be moral. You're supposed to believe that sometimes what you see is not what you're seeing. If you're a good person, you'll see what you're told to see and things like that. That's social approval and social disapproval. I've given lots of talks about that over the years. Uh, and how they said they would bring in the big boys, the big organizers of the, by the, run by the foundations, the big private foundations that are all connected with each other. Multi-trillion dollar companies, basically, that's what they are across the whole planet. Working together, running thousands of non-governmental organizations to influence and change and modify our behavior. And people still think they've got a mind of their own. They don't realize that most of, most of the opinions in their heads were, were given to them very cleverly by experts. So cleverly that they were never analyzed by the people who now hold those convictions and opinions. They think they did, but they didn't. That's science, scientific techniques used upon them. Quite something else. So there you have it. That, that's one little scandal there. There's another one, too, with a politician in Britain who committed suicide, as I say, because he had uh, allegations of sexual misconduct in, at Parliament or, or wherever it was. It looks, too, that those who want to get Britain out of the whole idea of exiting Europe are hammering away the Conservatives at the moment for some reason. And you could hammer any any party, because they're all as corrupt. Each one's as corrupt as the other. 
And they all cater to the same special interest groups, as you well know. All do. Politicians will sign on to anything, any rich, powerful organisation that will help their own careers or open the doors to them. Or when they leave politics, get into the, the big, big lobbying groups and lobbying firms. They, they'll do anything to get there. They don't care about the people they're supposed to serve. What a joke that is. What a joke. But these links are pre up tonight for anybody who cares to see. There's, no much, there's not really any sex and... And, and foulness there to, to, to keep your attention Because you're, you're all trained <laughs> that way now that's, that's all you've had for the last few weeks From, from the mainstream media And it'll continue as well And uh, it's, it's sad but true, you know I'll tell you, if you start anything at all that's honest And you're trying to protest something Or at least expose the corruption in anything to try to keep government on the straight and narrow. That's why people used to look at the US, the only country that had rights for the people, written into law. It doesn't matter if they didn't follow them, but they had the rights written into law. At least the thought was there, right? Most countries never had that. And you used to have very good alternate media that went in to trying to keep politicians on the straight and narrow, tends to say some extent, and at least let the people know all the, the dirty deals that are going on behind their backs by the politicians and organizations and so on. And that used to be called the Patriot Movement at one time. Other countries never had that. And in, in fact, it was awfully good at one time because other countries, if they tuned in to this alternate media, would often find out what, what their own countries were up to. They didn't, their, their own people wouldn't tell them. But unfortunately, the whole system in the U.S. was very carefully taken over until it's all gone. Very carefully. By a standard technique. A very standard technique. And it's pretty well gone now. It's sad, but true. Very sad. Because it was a hope to a lot of people across the planet. Now getting back to tonight's talk, which is, again, about corruption and the usual stuff too. But it shows you about foreign lobbying groups and, and even people in your own country who are getting paychecks. I mean, Lord Pollock must be getting a paycheck in Britain, surely, to basically lobby for another country. It doesn't make any sense at all. And you'll find other ones, too, from other countries doing the same kind of thing. As I say, Patrick's husband, too, will link up to the, to the husband as well. Because it's, it's interesting, for sure. Some news has come out, too, is it to do with Facebook. Uh, to me, it's, pa- it's passé. I mean, the whole internet system was never given to the people to, to really increase their awareness of what was really going on about anything. It was to do just the opposite. And it has, very effectively. People are, 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 are I think, dumber now than they've ever been before. Seriously. Again, you're dealing with psychological techniques run by experts. Universities are in on the act and everything to, to tweak the techniques even, even to be more effective and to make sure that everyone's basically getting standardized with their thoughts, their opinions, even their conversations week by week. It's pretty well managed that way. And sure enough, Bernie's said that a long, long time ago. The, the, the real invisible government was the media. And if you control the media, you control all the thoughts of the people. Now you have all media, and you also have the internet too. The internet has, has masses of data, but very little real information. And 
in fact, any information you get, you take their word for whoever whoever's put it up there, whether <laughs> it's true or not. But I've talked about the entertainment industry and how most of your indoctrination comes not just from what they call news, official news, is, but also like from, from television, uh, but also from fiction. Hollywood just doesn't give you stacks and stacks of sex. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll also give you stacks and stacks of, of little politically correct updates. They update your thoughts. And what you should be like and what you should accept, uh, which may be opposite of what you were told to accept a few years ago, uh, and which often is that way. These are, these are scientific techniques and mind control. Of course they are. And then they, they have all the, they check your Facebook and all your chit chat and so on, and to see if you're all following you, that these updates that you're getting. And if you're not, they'll find, they'll, they'll know who everybody is exactly, perfectly. Uh, they know everything about every person who uses it. Because all the information is gathered for your personality profile and sold too to stacks of companies. Anyway, here's one of the co-founders, Sean Parker, what he says about Facebook. He says it's addictive because it exploits a vulnerability in people's brains. You can see that now that he's made his billions, you know. Hindsight is twenty twenty for Sean Parker, former Facebook president, who said this week the social media site was built to exploit the vulnerability in human psychology. Speaking at an Axios event, Parker said he and his team, who launched Facebook in 2000, were trying to figure out how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. I've said that for, for quite a few years now. Computer is meant to suck your life away from you. This is a solution was what Parker called the social validation feedback loop, exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself, he says, would come up with. That was his words, I guess. And what they do, basically, is... They get you to, 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 to follow. People who saw this also saw that. Then you, you, you go into it. Then you get your likes and dislikes. Then as you likes and dislikes, it's not, because, it's not to see or to tell the people who put out the story that you like the story. What it is for is to see if you like the story and then they'll find out why you like it. Is it because you want to be accepted by a peer group who say, when it says that, that three quarters or 70% of the people liked the story, they were good people? You know, you see how it works. They're finding out about you in a thousand different ways and you're completely ignorant of what they're, what they're up to. Completely ignorant. That's why it works so well. It says uh, users want to post so that their friends like their content. And when their friends like their content, users want to post more. That's, that's intended that way. But that can have some unintended side effects. It changes your relationships with society and with each other, Parker said. Probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. God only knows what it does to our children's brains. They know what it does to the children's brains, actually. I'm not kidding you. I'll put up some links, too, to show you. Never mind the children, the the, the adults, too. It has the same effect, these likes, that you're you're getting little strokes to be good. Oh, you're good. All the good people like this one. You know, the people who who didn't want to go along with, with, with believing this is a new normal or whatever, they're bad people and they didn't like that. You, you see how simple it is? Hmm? But when you get a, a kickback or a follow-up on something you put up or even a comment you make, why do you think it's got all these comments there? Why do you think it's there? Huh? And when real people or fake people or computers and their sock puppets get back to you and say, I really liked your, 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 your little comment there. 
blah, 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 you get a little high, a little high, a little dopamine high. And it's very similar to a little bit of cocaine. They're doing all these tests at MIT. I'll put links up to show you. They know all this stuff. That's why it's, that's why it's there. Now, these big corporations that have incredible power, same with Google, and you know darn well it's part of the global intelligence network. Of course it is. Of course it is. It was intended to be. I'll put this up and maybe another one, a different one too, and let you read it for yourself. Another one too says, Facebook addiction, new psychological skill. Researchers in Norway have published a psychological scale to measure Facebook addiction, the first of its kind worldwide. And they wrote about it in one of the journal's psychological reports. That's the name of the, 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 the journal. And it says, uh, the new measure is called the BFAS, short for Bergen Facebook Addiction Scale, and it's the work of Dr. Cecile Anderson, University of Bergen, Norway, and the colleagues uh, work with them too. But anyway, they've got a, a test now to find out uh, the, how, it, how addictive it is. And they talk about the different the, the mood modification, tolerance, withdrawal, conflict, and relapse as go back into Folk can't keep away from it, even when they try to. It's like getting away from a drug. And it shows you how they do these different tests. And then I'll put up some links too to do with data mining. How companies know now know everything about you, every detail of your life, what you buy, where you go, whom you love is being extracted from the internet, bundled and traded by data mining companies. Now, this is interesting one. This is now what's in it for you? What's in it for you? Good article, but again, with a twist in it too, as everything is out there that, that, that pretends to expose something. It does expose genuinely, but there's always another reason for it. You're played with so, in, so incredibly well. Most folk who, again, are trained to be naive don't even see it. They don't even see it coming. They don't. It's like that movie Devil's Advocate and Al Pacino who played the devil. Uh, so he said, he says, it always works. He says, because they never see me coming. They never see me coming. Well, you can apply that to all the different techniques that are used to get anything out of you or even manipulate your behavior. Big time. This uh, article says, over the past few months, I've been told many more interesting facts about myself than my social security number. Guard a bit of the vast amount of data that's been collected on both online and off by companies and stealth. So it tells you, uh, how he's managed to get some of the data back to find out what, what they've got on him. And it says, Google's ad preferences believes I'm a guy and tells you what they, what, how they've profiled you. Uh, guy to in politics, Asian food, perfume, celebrity gossip, animated movies, etc., etc. And uh, doesn't care about books, literature, or people in society, etc. So they even have your likes and dislikes, what they, what they think you, you might be, you see. But actually have your social security number and everything. They can find anything off of it, you know, no problem at all. They buy in bulk all this information. He goes on again about how they've got it all, and there's tons of other companies I could have called to learn more about myself and so on. And each of these pieces of information and misinformation about me is sold for about two-fifths of a cent to advertisers. So that's each piece, right? which then delivers uh, deliver me an internet ad, send me a catalog or, or mail me a credit card offer. 
This data is collected in lots of ways, such as tracking devices like cookies, websites that allow a company to identify you as you travel around the web, and you're followed by a stack of them when, when you go from page to page on the web. And it says, and apps that you download on your, on your cell that look at your contact list and location. They do. They, they, you download all these free apps. And they immediately scan everything, and then they, they, they collect and then they sell it. It says, you know how everything has uh, seemed free for the past few years? It wasn't. It's just that no one told you that instead of using money, you were paying with your personal information. And it's a good article. But when you take that... When you take that and then you look at the other ones too, the dark side of information technology. And there's always twists to everything, literally twists to everything. And information technology has long been viewed as the power behind a new economic revolution, an evolving set of tools that's made workers much more productive than ever before, really, really. So this is a a rah-rah thing. According to a report by the World Economic Forum, you know, that big self-proclaimed uh, group that helps run the world that we don't vote for, digitalization boosted world economy output by nearly $200 billion. I, think, I guess it did too, because I think every central bank now, like the Federal Reserve in the U.S., can, can, they can just uh, punch the figures in you know, digitally and that's it, and create anything they want for nothing. And they all do it. Of course they do. Of course they do. That's the, the most secret club you've got across the world, is, is these characters that run your central banks. And they move them around too, you know, from country to country. Anyway, it says that uh, the dark side of IT hurts employees, the organizations and so on, and about the research, etc., etc., to develop and validate uh, the measures of scales for various constructs and structural equation modeling to analyze relationships amongst them. Then they got to talk about techno stress and so on and so on. An employee misuse of internet technology. I'll give you examples of that too. And then the data brokers selling your personal information in their article. And they go on about too how how they do it and they sell it as a commodity to each other, to advertisers, even to the government, often without our direct knowledge. Much of much of this is the kind of harmless consumer marketing that's been going on for decades. There's nothing harmless about it. Your privacy, you should have privacy in what you purchase, or, or, or I don't care what it is you're purchasing, or what you're eating, or anything else. Just what's changed is the volume and nature of data being mined from the internet and their mobile devices. It's now a multi-billion dollar industry that operates in the shadows with virtually no oversight. Likes, dislikes, their closest friends, bad habits, even your daily movements, both on and offline. They know everything about you. As, as, parents never had this kind of control in the past over, over their children. And even the Federal Trade Commissioner, uh, Julie Brill, in the U.S. says we've lost control of her most personal information. Now, some of these articles that I had to tell you are fascinating because there, there are some articles out there, I haven't read them tonight, I meant to, but there's an article out there, one especially, that really goes through all the same information that's read to you. But then they say that, how can you personally benefit from it and find ways to sell your information to them? To train you to sell information. Oh, it's okay then. They're paying you for it, right? <laughs> That's quite something. Anyway, they've got all the data. This is, this is exact data. It's one of the companies, a Chicago company, is brokering the names of people who have, for instance, these are examples who have 
a, a sexually transmitted disease, as well as lists of people who have purchased adult material and sex toys, things like that. It's just amazing all the stuff that they've collected to put on you too. And uh, you know it's going to get worse and worse. But you know something, I'm reading, I'm reading to the choir here. Uh, most folk really out there don't care. They really don't. That's the astonishing part. With the scientific ways of putting all this across to the general public who use everything that's weaponized, they're now at a stage where they're beyond bringing back to any, any level of personal safety or security on it all. This is the stage that I've read about before by the big socialist engineers. Socialism from the top was never meant, it wasn't an organization that was going to look after the people. It was set up as a eugenic society to manage and even breed the amount of people they would need to manage that particular society, to work in that society and keep it going. All types of people, and even eventually mating the right people to the right. That's where Brave New World came from, the whole idea. Bernard Shaw talked about killing people. If they didn't need them, they'd kill them for, for, for society. And H.G. Wells was even worse with his incredible snob, incredible snob. He hated the working class. He's a co-founding member of the Fabian Society, the premier socialist organization. Lenin said it too. Three levels of what they would understand as communism, which is the socialism, managed by the central state, basically, the, the capital, the group, the parliament. Call it beer, call it what you want, same thing. And they said that, that uh, the, the people at the bottom, the workers, who you must, they must be given a very simplistic version of, of the politics of it, what it was for. And of course, it's for their own good and so on and so on. It'll help them, help them, help them, etc., etc. Children. That's what we do for children. And then the middle ones, who were the ones who help manage it, the, the bureaucracy level, who be given a slightly different version of what it was all about, which was really human management. And then you would have the top ones who understood the whole plan of it, uh, and the ones beneath them wouldn't know themselves. And they would accept that. They would know it was above them, there was a different plan, but they would accept that. And that's what you have today, isn't it? Even politicians know darn well that, that there's a, a higher group above the voted-in politicians into governments. There's a higher group beyond that. We know that. They know that. But they know not to ask questions if you're a good politician and you want to advance your career. Now, here's something I talked about for years and, again, how they would set up the United, through the United Nations. The United Nations, mind you, has said for years and years and years and years, many years, that China, modern China, would be the model state for the rest of the world to emulate. I've also read the articles and books and so on, parts of books from the top socialists over the years, and many of whom were again lords in Parliament. Uh, lord Burton Russell was, was a, a British lord too. And so here he is, wanting socialism, again a managed society where they would basically sterilize a good 
trunk of the population if it didn't need them anymore. And they keep, what so you're hearing today more and more and more, we don't really need all these workers, manual laborers in the West, because China's doing it all. They're the manufacturers. But also they, they would create social approval, disapproval. Russell said they would give you, through like technocracy, they would simply dish out, the government would dish out to everybody, uh, even, even companies, but every citizen would get uh, something put into their bank account every week or two on the same time, same date, but what you had, hadn't used up from the previous inputs would, be, would be, just simply disappeared. You couldn't save it up. You couldn't withdraw it either for tangible money or anything. A different set of rules for the people above who are managing you all, of course, naturally, in this, this good, equal society. Anyway, here's China, and good citizens will get fast internet and other benefits. What are you hearing here? Same thing here. Punishing you, hiding your, your websites, hiding articles that you put up. You're not going to get access to them because you're, you're naughty, you're bad. You're not, you're not parroting the good PC stuff, your updates, and you're not for this and you're not for that. You're naughty. Well, eventually you, you'll, you'll have, when it's a totally cashless society, you will find punishment. And again, like Jack's Atali at the United Nations, he said something similar about uh, winners and losers in the New World Order. In his second book, he mentioned there'd be fast internet for, for the goody people, the goody two-shoes, and slower stuff for those in, in the rural areas too. You'd be losers. So you'd move. Agenda 21, 23, what do you want to call it? It's all the same 21 century agenda. And it says... By 2020, the behavior of every single citizen and legal person, which includes every company or other entity in China, will be rated and ranked. Participating in China's credit scores will be mandatory. This is from China. On June 14, 2014, the State Council of China published a document called Planning Outline for the Construction of a Social Credit System. In three short years, based on the government's plan, Chinese tech giants WeChat and Alipay have already launched their own credit scoring system. A national trust scoring system exists now to rate people in China and secure them services based on the social credit score. National database will merge a wide variety of information on everyone, assessing whether taxes and traffic tickets have been paid, whether academic degrees have been rightly earned, etc. The credit scoring systems of WeChat and Alpley work in a similar way to collect data from users. WeChat, too, says Tencent and developer of the messaging app WeChat, with more than 850 million active users, launched its own credit system early August, signaling that private social credit systems are alive and well, and Alpay's similar, too, and so on. No one understands you more than data giants. Controversially, data giants do not hide that it judges the types of products Shoppers buy online. Someone who plays video games for 10 years a day, for example, would be considered an idle person. Someone who frequently buys diapers would be considered as probably a parent who on balance is more likely to have a sense of responsibility. Good, bad, good, bad, see? Another category to, to assess credit is interpersonal relationships. Sharing what Sesame Credit refers to as positive energy online. Nice messages about the government. Oh, this is nice, this is nice. Or how well the country's economy is doing will make your, your score go up. Well, I could do some of that in Britain, maybe Canada too, because the, the, the economy's kind of, <laughs> it's been, it's not stagnant, it's sliding off the edge of the table here. Or maybe walking off, it's so stagnant. 
Sesame has promoted the consumer benefits of a... I guess I just lost some points here. Sesame has promoted the consumer benefits of a good credit score from a prominent dating profile on the Bay matchmaking site to VIP reservations with hotels, car rental companies, and so on. The social credit system also affects foreign business. While many reports are focused on how social scoring will affect individuals, a more interesting aspect may be implications for doing business in China, including foreign companies. It says the, the data will be collected from multiple sources by a so-called national credit information sharing platform and used to generate ratings for each company. So companies and private individuals all are under the, under the, the, the microscope. The scores have an immediate impact for companies incentivizing them to self-restricting their behavior by following regulations and government industrial targets. So the government's the boss, centralized planning, of course, and the communist system. Amazing too. I remember years ago talking about the the richest communists were all multimillionaires. Now it's multi-billionaires, maybe you're into multi-trillionaires now. But and it's still it's still a communist system. There's no point. You can't oppose the government. It's only one party system. That's why the big corporations love it. They'd like us all to be the same. And then people with low ratings will have slower internet speeds, restricted access to restaurants, and the removal of the right to travel. Sound familiar, eh? Penals are set to change dramatically when the government system becomes mandatory in 2020. Indeed, in September 25, 2016, the State Council General Office updated its policy entitled Warning and Punishment Mechanisms for Persons Subject to Enforcement for Trust-Breaking. An overriding principle is simple. If trust is broken in one place, restrictions are imposed everywhere, the policy document states. People with low ratings will have slower internet speed restricted access to certain restaurants. Removal of the right to travel freely abroad with restrictive control on consumption within holiday areas or travel businesses. Will not be hired by certain employers and will be forbidden from obtaining some jobs. This is the model state for the world. They even have down the bottom, what is your opinion? Let us know. Comment below. Click at the bottom of the page. And don't forget to share this article with friends by pressing in the top right corner. So I guarantee you, uh, and they'll, they'll have to click all the good things. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Or, or else, eh? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Great song. But that's, that's the system we're in, isn't it? And this is the system for the world. And don't forget, it was the West and your corporations and your big foundations the big owners of your country who set up modern China and gave them free trade and moved all your companies or companies involved which were based in your own countries that lived for maybe a hundred years getting big government grants of your tax money to make them bigger and bigger and bigger and they all shipped off to China without a second thought. And you paid, but all paid, all the countries in the West paid as the factories in their countries moved off. We paid for them moving. We paid for them uh, claiming to, to lose money for the first 50, up to 15 years of the move. We paid for everything. And next thing you know, we're paying for each other, to, for the people who are all unemployed. And folks still vote. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something, eh? And they fall for the, the, the rubbish of, oh, we're democracy. I don't care even if you're a republic, just make it ever. You keep hearing the same thing. Oh, you're a democracy. 
There's no de- democratic countries. You're all run by crooks. Utter crooks. <laughs> and that's the way it really is, isn't it? Now, I think, I think I'll, I'll probably finish here for the night because there's a whole bunch of articles and stories too and different things that I've been working on to do with more interesting stuff too in different areas. But yeah, we're living in a big, big agenda. I keep telling people that. They have no idea that that's how it is. None at all. And I might do a part two, in fact, next week to do with uh, the data mining and how your, your mind has always been made up for you through what you watch in fiction and how you feel guilty about certain things when you have no reason to feel guilty whatsoever. And so on and so on. To show you how your mind has constantly been tinkered with. Now I say, this, I'm preaching to the choir, because most folk, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter what you show them. They're, they're too far gone. And lots of folk really enjoy, apparently, putting all their data up on the internet. Like they're some kind of rock star, which they're not. And even rock stars would have more privacy, because they'd be advised to have more privacy than the general population. Everything's for the big boys. That's where they gave you the internet. And it's amazing, too, all the, all the things that you have to tweak computers or work with them to try to fix this and fix that out and all that. Your life has been soaked up with it intentionally, and the people who behind it admit it. Admit it, yeah. Doesn't change anything, does it? Anyway, here I am in Canada where it's known, and... I hope that you're all doing well and surviving all this this kind of change that's going on. And bigger changes are planned, unfortunately, because we're, we're living through an agenda, as I say. And the only thing that would ever change anything is, is for a particular amount of people to all object at the same time. But unfortunately, they don't only object if their cable TV was doubled in price or something. That's the only time they would get on board to, to complain about anything, I think. Unfortunately, it's true. It's true. You're given one life here, and most folk will spend sometimes a half or more of their lives watching other people's productions on television. They're watching their pieces of work, their productions, which is mainly fiction, and the rest of it is indoctrination. Sad, isn't it? From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.